0: Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor.
2: On a night when we saw Stevie show us his hungry eyes, Danny failed to do any dirty dancing, but we all had the time of our lives because at the end of the day, nobody put Suarez in the corner. It's the day trippers. <laughs> On tonight's show, we're joined by Pod Deputant Dave Thomas, aka @satrial80, and Neil Sheridan, aka at Green Scouser. We put forward our shouts for the lousiest left wingers in our worst all-time eleven section. We celebrate the destruction of the blue at Anfield, even though Dancing Dan, the Sky Pointing Man, blamed his pillow towards God. We look forward to visiting Pepe Mel Gibson and his West Brom boys, and we finish as always with listeners' questions. OK, first up, we return to filling out our worst Liverpool 11s That's the left of midfield tonight, so who are the most abhorrent left-sided players that you've ever witnessed in your time watching LFC? I have a feeling there's going to be one name dominating the discussion here, but I'm going to come to Paul uh, on this first. <laughs> Paul Brennan, what's your choice?
3: Well, my two shouts are, it's between Harry Kewell and Stuart Downing. Harry Kuehl, obviously, um, he had the kind of horrible transfer where he kind of screwed Leeds out of all the money and came to us and we thought it was going to be brilliant. And in fairness, he scored a few derby goals in his time, but overall, he was fairly awful. And uh, the thing that really got me about him was he was crap all the time and he was injured all the time. But any time we got to a cup final... He just declared him... That- in 2007, the Athens final. I forgot Kewell hmm. played for us until the fucking week before and he declared himself fit. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, oh, Jesus, Harry Kewell, yeah. Starting jersey, yeah. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. Um, the other one, Downing, like, jeez, with 19 million and no goals and no assists. <laughs> that, is- that takes some doing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm it's like, you're Ron Burgundy, I'm not even mad, I'm impressed. Um, yeah, so between the two. <laughs>
2: I'll go
0: with Downing actually. Yeah, you're gonna go
2: Downing. With Downing. All right, the other, the other, the other new man in the room. Um, what it would be your choice, Dave?
0: Well, you know, Downing's a great shout, but uh, I decided to go a little bit left field because it's left wing. Okay. And uh, well, first of all, my observation is we've had fucking hundreds of terrible left wingers. I can't there really have remember been a yes, left. Winger. Very true. So my shout is Milan Jovanovic. Oh wow! Mm. Mm. And I tell you why. There's two reasons. One. Every picture I fucking see of this guy, Roy Hodgson is in it. So Okay, it's a bad start. That's enough of a reason okay. not to like him. And secondly, he's so bad, I actually don't have a mental image of him ever playing for us. I, I actually can't picture him with the ball. I can't think of a single game that he played in. I can't think of a single cross or goal he ever did. He's just nothing. If he walked in here now, I don't think I'd know who he was. Yeah. That's how bad he was. Yeah. Milani Ivanovic, the worst left winger I've seen. I ever.
3: kind of remember him. What did he do? He tried to do a diving header against Arsenal and kind of just hit the ball and his face into the ground at the same time or something. There's a YouTube video. You can look it up and, then, <laughs> and
2: it is brilliant. I'm going to make a point of it. Okay, on the line then, Niall, could you give me your shout for worst left winger ever, please?
1: For worst winger, I've decided to go with Milan Jovanovic. Oh,
2: yeah?
1: um, I think it says a lot about the player when my only fond memory of him is um, that diving header against Arsenal. <laughs> on, on Brilliant. Um, apart from that, um, the only other thing I can think about Jovanovic is, I can't remember, was it home and away or neighbours? But there was some episode anyway where um, he somehow got mentioned as one of the greatest soccer players in the world. (laughs) Something along that line. Brilliant. (laughs) So, for that alone, I think Jovanovic deserves a mention.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, Um, on uh, the other line, Molly,
4: your your shout. Uh, Before I give my shout, I'll quickly go back to last week. I remember your show for right winger Jimmy Carter came up. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, The reason I bring him up is he was the first interview I did for Beyond the Cop with a few ex players and one of the questions I asked Jimmy was you know, what was your highlight of your Liverpool career and he once won a Man of the Match award against Wimbledon and he's sitting on an image that he still owned the bottle of champagne from that Man of the Match award <laughs> God bless him God bless him I, I remember oh, thinking sorry. at the time how shit must your career be if you still own of so. So you're not you're not you're not you're not, come here,
0: you're
5: not bringing him over a, a second interview then <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll, be sh- I'll be straight with you, only I thought we, I thought we were in trouble
4: here for a minute. <laughs>
2: it's good to see you digging. Go ahead, man. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> no, but it, it was a top lad, But I, I remember that. It's sitting on the image. I was still, on, I was still on the bottle of champagne. I was thinking, oh my lord. You know, but it, the left back shout. Uh, the guy I'm going for is. I remember when you were linked him. I was really excited about this link. I looked up YouTube, and this was before the days that YouTube made look every player look great. Mark Speedy Gonzalez Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> so, yeah, he he looked a cracking player I mean he used to go flying past defenders scoring goals from ridiculous angles and when we signed him I think it was from Saucy Dad we signed him from he looked a complete different player like you know he, he couldn't do anything I remember during his debut he fell over the ball at one stage he tried to step over it went nowhere you know what I mean he was just hopeless so he easily be my team it, I was thinking of Downing but really if fairness to Downing he was predominantly on the right so that's the only reason he doesn't get on okay. so left side Mark Speedy Gonzalez for me lovely stuff
5: Phil Um, it's hard not to pick Downing because he's a complete fucking football ninja I hate the boss with a passion Um, but there is like the left wing is a veritable reservoir of utter shite that we've had through the years like you've got just so many to pick from you've got Zenden who was just appalling we've got um. <laughs> Listen, Diomed, you've Harry Kewell. As we said, with have had Jovanovic. Like th- to actually pick that many shit left wingers is a skill in itself. <laughs> um I, I'm yeah. I'm going. I'm, I'm going with Downing. I, I don't care if he predominantly played in the right wing. The fucker came as a left winger, right, and he was he he, he was garbage. <laughs> they invented the word garbage for Stuart Downing. And long may he stay in a bin um, in a busker brewsker, and he doesn't come back out ever again. And somebody sets the bin on fire. <laughs> Thank God we sent them packing, to fucking West Ham. Uh, Honestly, to God, I've nearly had breakdowns before matches when I've seen his name on the team sheet, <laughs> and they couldn't even come close. People hate like hate seeing Ali Sissoko's name and stuff on, on the team sheet. Doesn't even fucking come close to when Downing used to appear in the team sheet for me and I I'm not, I'm, I, I, even the thoughts now sets me to a point I can see you're starting to get to go there your head's the, starting
2: to go the vein is coming out <laughs> the, we, 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 it's <laughs> starting to wobble we need to address something Phil we need to address something and that's something that we've discovered recently amongst ourselves and that's the likeness <coughs> and the sky pointing in that particular picture of, of Stuart <laughs> and I have to say it's coloured my opinion of Stuart immensely <laughs> <laughs> and if he wasn't a guaranteed shoe into the team he's fucking in there now <laughs> ok right time to move on I think to our uh, Liverpool versus Everton review
5: woohoo now
2: I'm surrounded by a group of lads here who've openly admitted to flanoesque esque excitement pitching tents large enough to house marquee signings as we watch Diev take a punishing 4-0 pounding now it's very arousing stuff in the words of Maximus Decimus Meridius were you not entertained so where do we even start? There are no end of talking points, I suppose, but we must start with the manager. whose selection tactics were pretty spot on. He's got a lot of criticism in the past, especially for the Villa game, but he must now get the equivalent amount of praise, surely, for that destruction of Everton. Made all the right moves, even down to taking Stur- Sturridge off at the time that he did take him off. So I'm just going to bring a few fellas in here now to get uh, some responses to their thoughts on how Brendan managed the match. So, Phil, I'm going to start with you here for a quick idea on that.
5: Yeah, um as as critical as as we were of Brendan after the Aston Villa game um for that 442 or 424 formation that he set up he I, I think he learned lessons from that game he learned lessons from the Bournemouth game um when again that sort of system didn't really work and he reverted to a more um 4-3-3 set up with Gerard sitting and getting the legs of Coutinho in beside him and playing Coutinho in centre midfield was inspired let's be honest about it Like, um, I, 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 I really uh, credit just goes to him because he outshone Martinez in terms of his tactical awareness to how everything were going to come at us he was happy to be controlling in the sense that they didn't have to dominate possession they just basically allowed everything to play in front of them everything went side to side they never went vertical really the, the main threat was Kevin Morales and um, we dealt with him more or less fairly well uh, and even like the, the, as much as Sissoko was malignant he dealt with him well on the on the actual night as well I, I have to say I'm just I I, I was just so pleased to, to see that tactical display come out of Rodgers we've seen signs that he would have he has that ability um, to adjust a team and change a team and he isn't as dogmatic as, as maybe he was originally when he came to the club but ultimately, he went back to his four-three-three formation with his one and his two, as he says, as he talks about Coutinho maybe a little bit higher than Henderson, who was really the, the water carrier in the night.
2: Um, now you've criticised his in-game management on a regular basis here yeah. on the pod. Tell me what was better about the other night, and was it just a, 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 almost a result of the res, of of the scoreline, or were they the right decisions and why?
5: It's it, it, like. He didn't like. Okay, the in-game management part in a game where you're winning 4 0 after sixty minutes doesn't it's really come, yeah, easy, yeah, his in-game management came before the game started in terms of the setup and his tactical setup that he that that he actually did. Mm. He didn't need to change much because the game went exactly the way he wanted the game to pan out. When he was looking at that lineup and looking at the way he set the team up, he was in in his wildest dreams he would say 4 0 at sixty minutes, and that's as good as a job as you're going to get done at that point in time. Like da- down to the way our defense defended to how we managed to get the best out of Steven Gerrard in that defensive midfield role by taking away the need for him to run okay. in the actual match. OK, now
2: we're, we're going to come on to the, to the, the sorry, nitty-gritty of the midfield in a bit. But Niall, um, your take on Brendan and the way in which he managed the match.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with Phil there. I think um, one thing about Rodgers is he is i think he is developing as a manager. Um, even the way when he first came in, he was all about this death by football. That seems to have been transformed now. We've turned into a serious counter-attacking team. Hmm. I think Rodgers deserves credit for that because um, as Phil was saying, yesterday, I think I saw after the game, we had, I think, was 39% possession or something at home, but we still absolutely hammered them. Yeah. So I think Rodgers deserves great credit for this. And also, you can see um, Rodgers isn't a stupid man. You know, um, He knows he made mistakes against Aston Villa. Um, he knew that at half-time against Villa. He brought on Lucas and the second half was a completely different game. Yeah. so it's it's good to see how this team is developing before possibly the team picked itself <laughs> yesterday due to injuries but it's the way that the team was actually set up that impressed me most so Rogers definitely deserves huge credit for that
2: Yeah absolutely and Dave
0: just one more um, response to Brandon and how how he basically uh, performed on the day Well i got to be honest with you I thought the criticism of the manager after the Villa game was a little over the top okay. you know I think that One of the things about Brendan that people underestimate that is that he's quite a progressive manager. Mm. So one of the downsides of being a progressive manager is there's going to be times where you try things and it doesn't work, Mm. you know. Um, And he's actually the opposite of what people accuse him of being, which is dogmatic and stubborn and, you know, arrogant and all this stuff. I actually think he's the complete opposite of that. What he tries to do is problem solve. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always work. And against Villar, it didn't work, right? And it didn't work for... 30 minutes Mm -hmm. okay so for 30 minutes out of a season he made he had a brain fart or or something he was trying to do didn't work right but to give him credit he's persisted with he hasn't just thrown that out the window and said okay you know i'm never going to try that again that was stupid he's stuck with it and he said actually you know by changing one or two things by bringing Coutinho into the middle by making Henderson sit a little deeper next to, uh, you know, next to Gerrard, by putting more emphasis on pressing from the front. I think if you look at the legs that, you know, the running that went on yesterday, even from someone like Sturridge, who perhaps isn't known for his work rate. Mm. I actually think that what he's done is not just learn, God, the system I did didn't work. It's more, how do I make small changes within that system to make it more effective? I don't think he gets the credit he deserves, you know, for making those small, subtle changes. The Villa game for me, it's thirty minutes of an aberration. That you know, different players are available. We don't lose that game. Mm. This game, he's gone. Okay, you know, you went two on one, uh, not two on one, but he had Suarez and Sturridge attacking Stones, targeted Stones, mm. and said, "Okay, get after that guy." And he had Coutinho sitting on Barry, mm. and Barry makes Everton play. And he had Coutinho every time Barry got the ball, Coutinho kicked him.
4: Okay, and
0: and it's just small things like that that he changed. I don't think he he made drastic changes, but just small things. And I think it always makes me feel comfortable to have a manager that is smart enough to problem solve, yep. rather than simply abandoning something he tried and going to do something different.
2: Fair play, uh, Paul. I'm just going to bring you in on this as well, but <coughs> slightly slightly different take on it. Um, one of the things that uh, that um, Brendan has changed recently is the role in which um, Stevie's been employed. Um, to be fair to the kid he had a tremendous match last night um, I thought anyway in terms even just of the effort and work rate he seemed to be there he seemed to be on the ball regularly he seemed to be influencing how the game uh, was being played what was your take on Steven's performance on the night and in the, on the midfield in general and how it worked?
3: Well he he just looked kind of like a player who realized that he hadn't been doing the job properly like everything, yeah. he was constantly looking around him. he made some brilliant interceptions so he got us going with some some great pass and just the spaces he took up when we had the ball and when we didn't have the ball I thought were brilliant. like there was one time I think Mignolet had the ball and Barkley and uh, Lukaku were sitting in front of Gerard to and Mignolet is obviously that's the one he's looking he's looking for uh, Gerard so Gerard just dropped back into the 18 yard box and told him to get hit it to Flanagan and once, once he did, they did Lukaku and Barkley turned and Jarrod just sprinted in between them took the ball off Flanagan and hit a, f- a brilliant first time ball out to Sissoko yeah. and it's just the sort of stuff that he wasn't doing against Villa where he looked kind of overwhelmed mm. yeah. he, I just thought he, he looked like he kind of knew his role a lot better yeah. and it, it was helped as well with the way the midfield was set up with
2: Henderson and Coutinho beside him too and those crazy eyes are the crazy eyes of Matt <laughs> who, who knows he's got it right and uh, it, Jesus it fucking mattered didn't it yeah, Oh
3: yeah, that, that was one of the best things about the match that yeah. celebration
2: it was absolutely brilliant to see. Like, yeah, and what about the rest of the way? The, the, the rest of the midfield, the way it lined up. I, I'm well, going to bring you in on, on, on Coutinho here, and I'm going to ask uh, ask Molly then to chip in on, on his opinions on, on Coutinho. So, what, C- what
3: Coutinho bit? again, he looked like a player that had been spoken to by Rogers so Like, he he wasn't looking for killer passes all the time. Yeah. He, like instead of like the last couple of months, maybe he's kind of interrupted the flow of our passing. Mm. Whereas this time, I think he really added to how fluid we were when we had the ball. He his, like his carrying of the ball, like the, he was always available for a. Pass he was involved he was involved in goals he was involved in plenty of moves like whereas in the past few weeks he's looked kind of shorn of confidence and he's just forced absolutely everything mm-hmm. and his, I think his defensive work as well was brilliant
2: yeah sure Dave sir you want to say something? I mean
0: one small point on the Coutinho thing and on Jared actually is Anytime someone again says Gerard should play as a number 10 or as forward in the front three, mm. they should watch that game yesterday. And watch the run-in that Coutinho did and Sterling did and Sturridge did. Because as fantastic a player as Gerrard is, he doesn't have the legs to do that for
5: even half, mm. you know, even 45 okay, yeah. minutes. I, I could give you a counter-argument for, for that one. Go ahead. But main, because, again, if you put Gerard in a 10, you change your shape as opposed to playing the way we do where you have two sort of real runners that play alongside a defensive mid. You'd need to change him to a more four, two, three, one where where Gerard can float into ten and not have to do the running that, that Say Coutinho and Henderson does. That like there's an argument that we're losing out an awful lot in his goals and his creativity by having him where he is. And when you have to where you put him where he is, you need to have two really um energetic midfielders beside him. And that's where the unit has been was flawed with Lucas and himself alongside because the mobility wasn't there, and I've said that from the start of the season. And I think every time he's played in that role with two energetic midfielders beside him, he's looked like he's capable of playing that role. I go back to the, I think the the time he played there. With um, Allen and Henderson against West Ham, yeah. again he excelled in that role. But again, he had Allen and Henderson to do the press and to do the running that just let him to, to go from side to side, block off the things, and he was making phenomenal blocks on the edge of the eighteen-yard mm. box. So I think if he's going to play there, we have to have the facilitators, which are the players with legs around him, and that can be Coutinho, Henderson, and and Allen at this point in time.
4: Yeah,
2: uh, Molly, your response to how uh, Stevie performed on the day and and and, and Coutinho as well.
4: Oh, Steven Gerrard last night he played what I like to call the Gandalf role absolutely perfectly you know it's just a douche <laughs> pass type of thing you know yeah. <laughs> he, he was busting a gush to catch up with players he was blocking there was some crunching tackles he was fabulous last night the only worry I'd have is was because it was everything you know <laughs> you could see after he scored mm-hmm. a goal with the bulging eyes how much up for that game he was Yeah. my only worry is will he be the same against West Brom on Sunday you know, so it's one of those to be continued type of ones. Mm. But last night, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. It yeah, well, really was. Well,
2: yeah, to, to be fair, I think history has shown us that that could well be the case, that fear that you have. But uh, at the risk of, of, of uh, annoying any listeners, we'll just move along from there. Uh, uh, Paul just wants to come in here for a second, Molly, on that. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. I,
3: yeah, I agree with Molly yeah. that um, what you got, it, it is going to be different against West Ham. Because I don't, as well, I'm not sure if you can set up as defensively. Like, I don't think, I don't know if the players will be as receptive. Because it was the players around Gerard as well. Like, you, like, if you start telling them that we're going against West Brom and we're going to be sitting back near our own 18-yard box Jared like, played great in his own right but it was because the team was deep as well I mm-hmm. thought and then looked to spring on the counter-attack that's
2: whereas... fair. yeah that's fair enough that's fair enough and, and uh, Molly, your, your thoughts on Coutinho and how he did on the day in his uh, adjusted role well
4: what I do with Coutinho last night I think what I showed is he's not a left winger he really isn't I think Coutinho is a number 10 that's his role and that's where he should play it every single game that, that he starts you know I was watching there last night he was coming deep into midfield Getting the ball, starting attacks, always had his head up, always looking for for that killer pass. You know, mm. he, he he's wasted out in the wing in my eyes. He really is because yes, he has to be cut in all the time. He's always trying to go into that middle anyway. So I said, leave him number ten. Leave behind those forwards. Leave him doing the killer passes. You know, that's his role for me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Sorry, Phil, go ahead.
5: I th- There was there was mention at, um, after the game that maybe Henderson didn't have a great game. I thought. Henderson, in terms of what he actually brought to the team there last night, we, we we rave about Coutinho's role because we weren't expecting to see him play that way. But Henderson was the our version of a, a day shop in terms of that he linked what Gerard was doing well in terms of blocking off in a in defensive five to becoming part of the attacking five and he really shuttled between the two. Coutinho played that little bit higher, still as, as part of that two in front of Gerrard, but played that little bit higher and was always receptive. But you'll always see that it was almost Henderson forcing and pressing that was force, forcing the mistake that allowed, say, Coutinho then to get on the next ball, which then allowed the ball to break. And I know we're going to come on to the, the, the attacking tree, but he he's, for me, tactically the role that Henderson played last night was so... Um, imperative to the way we actually played mm. it, it just allowed us to do the next phase he may not have been the, the one that was causing doing the passes or making the blocks or whatever but he allowed the other two, the other two in that midfield to go and do their jobs and excel at their actual jobs itself yeah. so like, it, it, we have to realise that we've seen Henderson emerge this season as a proper talent in the premiership yeah. War class gets bandied around way too often and, and too easily but we really have seen the emergence of a player and if somebody came in tomorrow and wanted to join sign, mm. Jordan Henderson would he go for £16 million? Fucking right he would, because he is, he's that level of player. The, the, the idea now of Jordan Henderson as a £20 million player, it's not that ridiculous anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think on Henderson as well, there's been games this season where he's had phenomenal games on the ball. Yeah. What he had last night was a phenomenal game off the ball. Yeah, right? fair, yeah. He didn't play the pass, but... He drags men away, he presses, he forces them into, into the mistake, and he was everywhere. Every time I turned around, there's Henderson. So he might not have been great on the ball last night, but there was enough players who were great on the ball last night. He was great off the ball last night.
2: Absolutely. Niall, would you would you concur with that? It was almost nice to see Henderson having um, not an acclaimed match, because basically he was doing an awful lot of stuff that is unsexy, but very, very vital for the team.
1: Absolutely. He was brilliant last night, Henderson, wasn't he? Yeah. Also, it's interesting to see the way he's been able to adapt his game. Um, earlier on in the season, everyone was talking about how Henderson and Suarez have struck up a great partnership yeah. when Henderson was playing in that number 10 role. And I think it says a lot about Henderson, the way he moved back into a deeper position last night, but he was still as effective, in obviously, in a different way. Mm-hmm. just shows how important he's uh, become in this team. And as Phil was saying there, if I don't think I'd even take I wouldn't sell Henderson for 20 million in the morning because it's very hard to find a player like him what English player for example would you take at this moment instead of Jordan Henderson I think it's hard to pick one mm. so again credit has to go for Rodgers say Rodgers for the way Henderson has developed this season
2: yeah absolutely for a lad who was nearly on his way out it's, 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 it's quite remarkable uh, Paul
3: he's did, like two of his best performances were spurs away where like it was this forward running it was really direct he really caused him a lot of kind of obvious problems whereas yesterday it was the way he backed up the play the way he got back and helped mm. Gerard, the way he got out to the left and helped Sissoko mm. as well yeah. he just he just did everything like it's one of them where you have to look for what he was doing but it was absolutely brilliant
2: yeah that's a rounded footballer right there then, yeah, basically exactly, from yeah. what, you're, what you're saying yeah. uh, Niall can I keep you on the line here and we we'll just move it uh, slightly forward up The pitch now and have a look at Sturridge and Suarez and Sterling, our our SSS attacking lineup. Um, Let's just take them one by one and go through them. And how how did you feel that worked uh, as a unit?
1: Well, it worked very well, didn't it? I'm going to start off with Sterling. I think I've been really impressed with Sterling this season. Hmm. He's come on heaps and bounds. Um, I was saying the other day, I really think Sterling can go on to be a probably a 10-15 to goal-a-season wide man. Mm. His running off the ball is exceptional for someone so young. Mm. You have to remember, he's only 19 years old, and, but his performances recently have been absolutely outstanding for a man of his age, playing in it. You know, big pressure games against Spurs, he was brilliant. Against Everton again last night, he was very good. I think also it's worked, um, noting the way Sterling... He's developing into a totally different type of player than the one we probably expect him to turn into. When he was with the youth side, it was all about Sterling getting on the ball, dribbling by three or four players. But again, he's adapted his game now, whereas now he looks to knock the ball off and run him behind. So it shows his maturity as a player again.
5: Um,
1: Suarez... Suarez is Suarez, really, you know. What can I say that hasn't been said about him already? Niall,
2: talk to me about the goal. Talk to me about that bloody goal, because I was (laughs) was writing something earlier on today, and I was basically saying that that's the kind of goal that gets you noticed for awards when it comes to awards season. I mean, the idea of carrying it from your own half and just coolly putting it away, very Messi-esque. Tell me about that. Talk to me about that.
1: Unbelievable, wasn't it? I actually, um, when I was watching the game live, I didn't expect them... When he picked up the ball in the halfway line, I expect uh, Jagielka to bring him down because Suarez really isn't known for his pace. But then uh, as he was getting closer and closer to the goal, that's when we all began to stand up and then the finish was outstanding, wasn't it? On the left foot. yeah. I loved the way as well... um, for the celebration, it took the rest of the players about fifteen seconds to get down the floor as he was celebrating <laughs> on his
5: own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That tells that tells you a lot about. And yeah, I, I, was, I was hoping we get one of those Chelsea moments. Remember when he turned around? It was nobody celebrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that good. That's one of the best yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was uh, Half
1: expecting, I was half expecting Pepperina to come out of the crowd. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Consolation hug. Um, what about what about what about Daniel Sturridge? Um, man the match on the night despite um, uh, BT wanting to focus on everything else except his wonderful goals what did you think of how he um, how he's developing as a, as a, as a Liverpool striker?
1: Sturge for me has been absolutely brilliant this season I said last week it's uh, controversial but I think Sturge honestly has been as good for us as Torres was when you take into consideration how much he cost where he came from he didn't have the reputation before but his goalscoring record is absolutely unbelievable Yeah, he's a much. Better. in fairness I I had my doubts about Sturge I've said it enough times I wasn't really sure about him but he's a far better footballer than I ever thought he was he's, he's an all-round striker really isn't he yeah. I think one something that doesn't get noticed is his hold-up play it's second to none the way he backs into defenders and then um, he was talking before I remember he was saying um, Rivaldo was one of his idols growing up and um you can see he's taken bits of to Ravallo's game, especially the way he does like to roll his foot over the top of the wall and drag it back. And the amount of fouls he dragged off the Everton defenders last night because of that yeah. was exceptional.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dave Thomas, talk to me about the goals themselves, specifically. Um, what, 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 how impressive was that second one in particular?
0: Well, you know, in a lot of ways, I think the first one's harder.
2: Yeah, right? it is,
0: Because sure. he's got a lot of time mm. there, right? And, and Howard comes out pretty quickly. And I don't think there's a lot of strikers they'll go in on there and you go he'll definitely score mm. but with Sturridge yeah. I was like he'll definitely score he'll, yeah. you know there's He'd there's no the doubt he's going to score that right and then the second goal do you know what in general not enough people are talking about Daniel Sturridge no. not enough people in the media are talking about how good this kid is right mm-hmm. and if Luis Suarez didn't play for Liverpool this guy would be on the shortlist for player of the year yeah. there is no doubt yeah. about that he is phenomenal and the second goal I mean to watch it in slow motion is actually a thing of beauty to watch the ball coming over his head he looks at Howard to see Howard's stupid face running out towards him (laughs) and Sturridge doesn't even look he's only looked at the keeper once he looks at the keeper once he knows where the ball is and he puts it in the top corner and it's probably the best celebration of the night where he just stands (laughs) in front to the Everton fans (laughs) and his quote afterwards where they were like why didn't you do the dance and he's like well sometimes you know you just got to look at the Everton fans (laughs) and let them know what time it is (laughs) I'm like the guy is a fucking legend (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> yes, yes, yes,
2: yes. Uh, Phil, uh, Danny Sturridge, tell me things.
5: He's a,
2: a wonderful man. Yes, he is a wonderful man. But. He
5: points to the sky incredibly he, <laughs> no, he, he does point to the sky. <laughs> that, that,
2: that used to wind you up, now you love it, is that right? No
5: no we'll still, it. It. I, it still drives okay. me fucking mental but sure, if he wants to score goals like that he can point to every piece of sky he wants to <laughs> and I'll join in with him yeah. he, he even threw
3: on him. a get, got on his knees and prayed he even threw that in, for <laughs> for <you. laughs> he in a
5: special
0: listen he can come on his ceremonial <laughs> robes <score. Yeah. laughs> I
3: think even if you look at his lips I think he even said
0: that's for you
5: <laughs> that's what started with Downing <laughs> no the um Storage. Wow. Um, where do you start with the guy? Like, it's it, he's only back when you think about it since the the Stoke game, and he comes back. And, and James made the point a couple of weeks ago. He comes back, and it's like he was never out of the side at all. Mm. He hits the ground, scoring goals from 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 that point on against Stoke. He scored the goal again oh, against Bournemouth. He, he comes in. He makes it look so easy. He the, the as a threesome in, in, everyone talks about the Suarez storage partnership right but the way the three of those players work and move around with each other it's phenomenal I don't think I, I'd love to be corrected but in terms of having a natural nine in a team with a world class phenomenal footballer because Suarez is not just a ten a nine he's not seven. a seven he's, he's, just, he's just Suarez yeah. you know yeah. Um, and then Sterling, because what Sterling does is he gives width on those attacks. We're, we're talking about that we play with the two and on, on the one in, in the midfield, but he he goes to either Frank's to, to fi- he figures out the player that he's playing against. One of the most as, as Dave said earlier on, he's become such an intelligent young player, right? Mm-hmm. He, he he goes he goes up against the the, the, the the fullback, figures out how to do the fullback and then has a field day against him. Mm-hmm. And I think the disappointment and the poor form that he's come back from has made him twice the player he was and, and we talked about Coutinho going through the same type of spell and maybe the little change in position because again Sterling went through three or four changes in position till he found that well this is my position and this is where I want to play maybe Coutinho similarly has, uh, has has taught himself well actually do you know what I want to be in the centre of what's going on here mm. I can do this the, the, the hurrying the, the hurrying and, and the pressing that Alan can do I just look at the storage down and just say to yourself Christ how long is it since we've had two, two top-class centre forwards? Mm. One in the in, in the top three in the world, and then one that's just outside them mm. in the next bracket down. That every time he gets on the ball, he, he's he, he, you think he's going to score. Uh, I, I suppose uh, coming on to, to the point about when missing the penalty, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I I remember when I when I used to play in a, 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 myself and I'd say to our centre forwards. Look, if you're going to miss, don't have the goalkeeper save it. Go high, and if it goes over, it goes over, because the one place a goalkeeper won't save a penalty is high on the top of the net. And he went down the middle and he went high. I could see what he was trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you can't force hat-tricks. There's, there's always a sense of karma to what went on. And possibly, it's, it's, it's funnier, because everything don't get there. Well, it wasn't a penalty, was it? Like, <laughs> it, it it's, it's, it's yeah. a, a talking point in the derby, it doesn't happen. Nobody got sent off. Nobody. The penalty does, doesn't count. So they just got bummed basically by fucking what went on and it's just it's, 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 it's perfect that way you know what I mean Like there is no comeback on this one there's, there's no the, the, the referee hasn't hasn't changed the shape of the game nothing has happened they've just ended up being done left right and centre by world class players and brilliance and, and a manager who's finding his feet as a top level manager and the thing about Sturridge missing the penalty is He's the type of player that needs his wings clipped
0: every now and again. Yeah. So if he scores a hat trick in the derby and he goes off standard evasion, there is there is a possibility. I don't think it happens that often, to be honest with you. There's a possibility he might just drop off a percent. He might just drop off two percent. But instead, he misses the penalty. He's got his head in his hands. The manager holds him off. You know he, he's angry at that. Yeah. So now he's going to be wound up against West Brom and he's yeah. going to want to go and score a hat trick. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And he took it after the match. He kind of apologized. Said that like you know, especially when he. When he got through as well, he should have put it back to Coutinho as well. Mm. But he was looking for his hat trick as well, mm. and then straight away Rogers hauled him off. So and he took it really well. In the he came across really well in the post match interview yeah. as well.
2: Yeah, but Rogers also got to basically say, you know, I'm the boss, and yeah. he knew he knows what he did wrong, and he's a good boy, and he's he's, he's you know he's spoken and, to the exactly team. You
5: know, I'd hold my hands up and say uh, when we signed him, I was fucking going why are we signing him and not signing somebody else <laughs> Me too, yeah. no look straight up I think most people I think would, that's right? going to be a theme for today <laughs> <finally>. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: but people bought into the, into the arrogance thing Mowley, on Daniel Sturridge you, you, how, how, how do you feel and uh, he's been doing so far and more to the point what do you think he can continue to bring is this a guy who's going to be you know uh, remembered here he
4: looks every game like he's got a score doesn't he you know yeah. every single time I think he scored the last three or four games running, and even before he was injured, he, he went on another run of scored mm. a goal a game for about three or four games. It's his composure and confidence that really impresses me. Yeah, like uh, last night, his first goal there, as you said, it was one-on-one goalkeeper. Some forwards would, you know, hit that straight at goal, he put a wide over. No, it didn't face him one bit. Mm. I'm just going to slot it into the side net, and that's it. You no, know, he, he looks a really confident striker at the moment, and I think he'll go on to score 20 plus this season I reckon
2: yeah yeah. Niall would it be fair to say that like the rest of us you weren't really arsed about uh, him throwing a little bit of a a hissy fit coming off that if anything that's not something that bothers us in fact we kind of almost like to see it
1: yeah I think too much is to be made out of it to be honest I think it's just because it's it's Daniel Sturridge and he kind of has this thing about him where he's supposed to be this spoiled brat but uh, I wouldn't pass too much either I think that's a good point that was made earlier about um, it could be a blessing in disguise that Sturge did miss the penalty and was taken off because um, West Brom's back four won't fancy facing them. Um, they've already let him three tonight by the way so it's looking good for next week very good,
2: very good. Okay, well, I suppose we should move it along then to the defence. Um, whisper it, but we seem pretty solid. Um, Skirtle got his new staply skull uh, going. He, he was wearing a nice head condom. His brain seems to have uh, stayed in between his ears. Flano was solid, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, Colo <coughs> was respectable. Um Look, it was pretty good. Uh, even though slagging off Ali Sissoko, to be fair to the guy, he was, you know, uh, passable in, in defence, even though he does look like he's going to fall over at any given moment. Um, <laughs> and I just, I wouldn't even trust him to bring me a cup of tea from the other room. <laughs> but that said, look, he's a harmless, poor old bastard. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's he, you know slightly functional. Can I keep you on the line there, uh, Niall, and ask you what your thoughts were on how the, how the defence worked?
1: Yeah, they were very good, much improved since um, previous performances. I thought Flanagan was brilliant, and it's a great testament to Flanagan. The way, um, when you think back a couple of months ago when um, he was named in starting eleven against Arsenal, people were freaking out. Yeah. But um, ever since then, he's been possibly our most consistent player outside the likes of Suarez and Sturge. He's been brilliant, and I mean, while well, he's back in his old right-back position, last night, but even before that, on the, he's probably, at the moment, I'd argue, probably our best left-back and right-back. We, we have a bit of a Philip Lamb, I think, in Sanigan here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no.
2: Not building him up at all there.
1: Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah,
2: yeah. And what about the two in the centre?
1: Yes, I think Skirtle was uh, very good last night, actually. I'm not Skirtle's biggest fan, but mm. he didn't really put a foot wrong. Yeah, um, Tora as well, you know, they were nice and solid... Um, Good. two clean sheets in a row now, so hopefully they'll take a bit of confidence out of that. I think you could see as well, Mignolet looked a lot more comfortable last night, because all this chopping and changing I think has affected his um, form over recent weeks, but he looked something back to his best last night as well. So overall, I think the defence can be very pleased with their performance.
2: I think so. Um, Molly, your own thoughts on, 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 on the central two particularly and how they
4: went? I thought Scatter was, was very good last night, but to be honest, I've been a fan of Scatter for a while now, and I've now said it on, on the trippers a few times. Mm. I think he's been impressive this season. I know, look, he's, he's capable of pulling a few shorts and so on, but he's been solid this year in the back, I think. Yeah. You know, Torre, he, he did a job last night, there was no no frills about him, but he was solid enough again last night. As you said, the two full-backs, to Soko, he, he just looks like he's happy that he's playing for the full, really, doesn't he? Yeah, does, know, yeah. He doesn't deserve the as we get, but... Every time we see him, he's smiling. He's just delighted to be on the pitch, really. Um, Flanagan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't... <laughs> he doesn't, me, he doesn't Flanagan, go on, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just saying, for, for me, Flanagan, that, that should be his spot, no, that right back or the left back. He should be guaranteed a game every yeah. single week. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and, 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 look, are it, it, it it, you basically saying then that he's a starter when he's fit, that's it? And if he is... Yeah, that's it. As
4: yeah. far as I'm concerned... Flanagan's a starter, whether that's going to be on the right or the left, you know, even at this stage, I'd have in front of Johnson. I know Johnson had a few injuries previously, maybe that's why yeah. his form wasn't yeah. the best. But even when Johnson was fully fit, maybe, you are know, looking in the last season, he still wasn't that impressive. Mm. As far as I am concerned, Flanagan should be either a right-back or a left-back.
2: Yeah, I think Flanagan and the, and the craziness of Enrique is a very exciting idea indeed. <laughs> um, Phil?
4: i had, um... Yes,
5: it was a good defensive performance. Um, and I was delighted with the uh, with the defensive performance because, again, it's a clean sheet. It's a big game. It's another clean sheet the lads put up on the board. You, you get a bit of confidence as you put clean sheets on. They become easier things to get as opposed to what you had before. My only um, caution on it would be that, you know, with the style of play that we played last night it suits Skirtle because he doesn't have to push out he's comfortable defending deep he, that's mm. the type of defender that was that Rafa signed him as a, a person who's able to defend the 18 yard line mm. is comfortable being in a compact space it doesn't allow players to get a run on him you know the, the, it, the, there's people to cover around him when, when what's going on it suited mm. Gerrard that he didn't have to do much more running because they were able to sit there nick it play it and go on the counter and similarly you could possibly say for Colo it suited him as well because again he didn't have to go you know, go chasing balls, pushing up worry about players getting in behind him. The the early loss of Lukaku was a huge change in moment in the game um, for them because when Naismith comes in, he's not the same physical presence. The fear isn't there in the in, in yeah in the likes of <laughs> <laughs> That's, well he is, he's shy <laughs> he, He's Everton's versions of Dork Hout <laughs> <laughs> Just a downgraded shy player basically. dork out without the goals. <laughs> yeah. And the big goals as well. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, look, like, you know, it was a game that suited him because of of the injury to Lukaku. Maybe it could have been a different start. And look, to be honest with you, at one nil, Morales has a great chance, and there's a good save by by Mignolet from it. Right? I thought Morales was the standout player for Everton of of all the Everton players. Even when they were four nil down, he looked like if they were going to do anything, it was going to come through yeah. him. And he was skipping by our defenders. Uh, uh, you know, for fun at times. For fun. And that would be where my caution would come from. Great to see mm. another clean sheet. But they did get chances, and we did allow them to get chances on us. you
2: yeah, know I, c- I, come in behind you. I thought Morales absolutely just led us a merry dance. I thought he was just uh, he could do what he want. And he's a horrible, horrible individual. Yeah,
3: he's a, a snide bastard. Oh. But that's, that's what you want if you were an Everton fan in yeah, the derby. Absolutely. Someone, someone who kept going like where was all the rest of the heads dropping? Really, Rodwell or Rodwell? So, yeah, Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> Bar- Barkley, Obviously, he was coming back. Welcome to twenty
2: fourteen. <laughs> <fuck off.
3: laughs> <laughs> Bar- I, I was just gonna say, Barkley kind of kept plugging away for as long as he could. Like, yeah. he, obviously, he wasn't fit, but Morales was like their one player who kind of kept going. Like, he, like I, I slagged the shit out of him on Twitter over, you know, when he had he had the kind of hissy fit of Kelly, and Kelly just completely ignored yeah, him. My yeah. thought it was hilarious, <laughs> but at least for, from an Everton point of view, at least he looked like he gave a shit. Like, so but, but, uh, uh,
5: saying that, like I have to say, if you were to, uh, he'd be the one himself and Lukaku are probably the two Everton players that I'd love to see in a Liverpool jersey mm-hmm. I like snidey bastards I like I like mm-hmm. players like him winds up the opposition and fucking just wrecks their head yeah we haven't half enough of them no we? We, <laughs> we've, 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 like it's the type of player that we're missing from this one I, 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 was,
3: I was led to believe Aspas was like that I was hoping he'd be a <laughs> yeah. proper you know a little Not fucking nigg- a little niggly prick like you know, fact, but
5: he's I, I'll say one thing about Aspas in, when he was in Spain he was like he, he was like snidey in terms I, of what he was doing yeah
3: he elbowed someone in the face, and there was yeah. most important game of the season or something, didn't he? So expect, yeah. I was expecting more for more of that. Where's
5: that
2: guy? I want that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Phil. Before we go off the, away from the defence, uh, tell me a couple of things very briefly. As our resident uh, net minding expert on uh, Mignolet, uh, no. I don't. I don't mind saying he, he worried me a little bit. With, with
5: I, 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 look, the, the the same issues with Mignolet remain. Um, it's a style thing. Um, there was a couple of times he should have come for balls which he didn't mm. come for he he likes he, he lets the defence drop too deep on top of him but look there's something we will deal with that at a later point very
2: nice, kind of uh, completely ignoring my question. Beautifully done. <laughs> uh, and with about the subtlety of a sledgehammer. Can we then just go on to your last point then, seeing as you're calling the shots here?
3: Uh, <laughs> the coup <cool> is complete.
2: <laughs> control freak. The Casey. age of
3: Casey begins. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Let me out. Uh, you wanted to talk about Michael Owen because he really, really he makes you happy.
5: Oh, what a cunt. Basically, like the, the fucker, he needs to just fuck off. Him, like, right? He can just fuck off. Will you tell us what you really think? Will you?
2: What I liked about that was fuck off, Michael Owen, and I think that that's pretty much sums it up. But uh, Dave Thomas, would you would you concur with Mr. Casey's ire
0: there? Well, I think it's difficult to disagree with Mr. Casey on this topic, actually. But uh, a good idea, yeah? I mean, you know, Michael Owen—he's just dull. You know, he doesn't yeah. really make me angry. He's yeah. more just. What, pointless yeah. he, first of all he doesn't understand the, his role he doesn't understand the difference between a commentator and a co-commentator so he's not there to describe the action he's there to comment and give insight into the game which he can't do so he says things like oh he's running down the left wing there and he's put across it well yeah. yeah we fucking know that we can see that twat. <laughs> yeah. what we want to know is if you were a striker what would you expe- be expecting yeah, that guy yeah, to do yeah there's no insight from the game there's no insight yeah, yeah. he's just vanilla you know yeah. he's just he's so bad that his Twitter profile looks like a parody of what his Twitter profile would be <laughs> if you read his Twitter profile <laughs> and didn't know it was actually him you'd say someone has designed a Twitter profile called boring Michael Owen and that's what it is yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> pretty brilliant
5: <laughs> ok <clears throat> right then and his monotone fucking arse <laughs> Thank you very much.
2: Uh, okay, let's move on to our preview of West Brom versus Liverpool on Sunday coming then. Um, given the injuries, are we going into this game the same 11? Are we hoping to see Alan come in? Are we going to approach it in the same style as we did the previous match? Are we going to see Phil Coutinho in the same role? Um Molly, will you start the ball rolling here? What you would expect um, to see in terms of, and I know, I know there are things we can't predict, but basically, what you would expect to see?
4: Well, you got to expect to see the same starting lineup, really, don't you? Not only because of you know the, the one last night, but we just don't have anyone else, really, do we? That, that is it, really. On the bench, we don't have anybody else. So I'd expect to see the same starting lineup. I'd expect us to see us play slightly differently because we're not going to let West Brom come on to us like everything they did last night and hit them on the break. Hmm. I can expect us to go for the juggler straight from the start. Yeah, Try to get a goal up and then maybe sit back. Because that seems to be the style of play that we're doing this season. You know, we're going out there early first 20 minutes, hit them with everything we have, get the goal, and now that we scored the goal, we're like, oh, well, look, if you want results, you're going to have to come at us. Hmm. And if you come at us, we have the attacking capabilities to take you out. Because that's, that's where it seems to be going. So that's what I expect to see against uh, West Brom. I, I don't know much about West Brom. I haven't really. Watched him under the new manager a whole lot, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. like I know the long has gone from them, from a whole team. So I'd expect an easy victory there, really, to be honest, on Sunday, 3 or 4-0 easy.
2: Wow, OK, that's nice and positive. Um, Niall, would you concur with that? Uh, pretty much the same lineup.
1: Yeah, I think we'll go the same again. I think um, I don't think Rodgers will risk Alan, because I think um, Alan could play against Arsenal. In the league game at home, so I don't mm. think he'll risk Alan yet. Mm. Um, I see no reason why we should change. I mean, as I said already, West Brom—they're not great at the back, and um, that's our strength at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think I think we might just set up the same against Everton. Look to Jared and Henderson sitting back, and then look to hit them on the break.
2: So basically, what you're saying is you can see a, a counter-attacking style being employed there.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that's the way we're going to go because. Um, Of course, if we bring Allen into the team, it means one of either Coutinho or Sterling missing out, but I don't think um, Rogers is going to leave either of them out at the moment because they're so important to our attacking style. So Mm. I expect us to go the same 11 again.
2: Paul Brennan I know you've done a tremendous amount of research on this um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call setting someone off. Um, I know you've done a tremendous amount so you, what how, how do you how do you think we're going to look and uh, would you would you concur with this idea of we'd probably um hope to score early and then sit back and hit them when we can.
3: Well that's the the kind of issue is how we kind of are we going to do the same again? Because so, like, West Brom and Everton, like you know, it's not going to go work as well, I don't think, to sit back as deep. So it's how we kind of transition. It's going to pr- probably be the same two centre-backs which are out in front of them. Mm. And how we get the balance between the complete shit-fest that happened with Villa and then the more compact kind of <laughs> g- g- effort fast. we had. Yeah, mm. basically. Lovely. The, the kind of compact way we played against Everton. I think we're going to... It has to be somewhere in between where we I think we're going to have to be a bit more adventurous. Uh, you know, kind of... Well, more proactive anyway. Mm. But I think we have to kind of get the balance right and make sure that like we're not kind of all at sea at the back, like against Villa, hmm. like and like like when we were talking about the defense, like Skirtle and Torre did, like Skirtle played well and Torre did okay. But again, like like we said, it it, it was a real kind of it, it was set up for the defense to play well. Hmm. Whereas against West Brom, they did this is the big question: Are we going to kind of? Are we going to push on a bit more?
2: Yeah, yeah. Dave Thomas, is there is there a danger of a shit fest because we're going to be psychologically uh, troubled by the lack of transfer dealing and new recruits, which we all uh, hope are coming in, and which our players might be psychologically frail enough to be affected by? Is that is it going to be an issue in in the in the, in the game to come if nobody's in?
0: No, I mean, first of all, it's West Brom. We'll fucking kill him. I mean, okay, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Jonas Olsen versus Suarez. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's the game, right? So I, I, I'm not really worried about West Brom. I think we'll kill him. That front four, you know, with Coutinho in the hole, I think it'll be a slightly different game. I think they have Jakob and Malambu sit a little deeper. So Coutinho might be mm. a little bit more under pressure. Mm. Uh, but when you've got a front three like that, you know, I don't, I'm not worried about West Brom. In terms of the transfers, look, I think the only people that lose their shit over transfers are fans right you know I think the transfer window makes people crazy right me me included we're all crazy about it we're all on there all the time Christ why aren't we doing this what are we doing what Mm. are we doing but if you're a player signing a new player means that someone in that team is not going to play anymore
2: yeah but there's also the the, the, the boost to the team and being around winning team. Dave every, every war movie you've seen the boys are coming back they're battered their arms are hanging off their arse is falling off and then you see the new boys coming in, their lovely clean hats. and They're going to go and take over and give them a bit of a boost. I mean, it's just a psychological thing. Do you not think that's going to affect the players at all?
0: I don't. Well, maybe. You know, yeah. I don't think it has to date. I think okay. first of all, I think we'll make a signing, so I, you know, okay. I'm, not, I'm not too worried about ITK. it. You know. Um, no, no. <laughs> Second of all, I think that what Rodgers has done a great job on. Yeah. Is this the mental strength of that team, right? And I think that there is, if they are affected by. A signer or not signer or missing or missing out on some player who goes to Chelsea or whatever, then I'd be really, really surprised if that affected the team. Because if you look, even in the disappointments we've had, you know, in games where we've lost or where we've drawn against Villa, the mental strength of that team coming through that is so significant now that I would be absolutely amazed if something like transfers affected them.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Molly, it would be remiss of us to go past this topic without speaking to yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, on the idea of reinforcements or not reinforcements. Um, where do you currently stand on this?
4: Well, I, I think we need reinforcements. We have 15 fit players at the moment. So I know there's some coming back, like Sacco still about three weeks out, Anchors, a couple of weeks out. I think we need players in. And I, I know Dave there made a point that you know, if we don't get anybody in, at least players will know are still playing and so on. I think that's a bad thing. I think you need players in there to be challenging for their spot. And the players themselves want that. You know, they, they want other guys to come in and challenge them for their spot. They push them on. You don't want guys relaxed. relax go, oh yeah, well, I'm definitely playing this week anyway because there's nobody else in my position here. Yeah, we well, don't want
2: that. Glenn Johnson's a perfect example of that, isn't
4: he? Yeah. Yeah. So ah. uh, you know, I definitely think we need at least two win. You know, three would be great, but if we got two win. You know, I know they're looking at that that wide midfielder. That I can't pronounce his name, so I leave that up to you. Yeah, like the Co- corner. We'll just call it Connor Planky. But from Sligo, I think it is.
5: Planky, we that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And but it's not wishful thinking at this stage, Molly. I mean, <laughs> I with, with the amount of of hours literally that are left at this stage, are we are we basically pissing in the wind, hoping for two uh, recruits?
4: Well, it is isn't it? Like it took us two and a half months to nearly get a deal with Salah before Chelsea came along with a couple <laughs> of hours of talking. Yeah. So if it took us two and a half months to try and get Salah what chance we got in two days to get this guy? Exactly. You know, my, my only word, and I'm not saying they are doing it but are they trying to see a face by going, oh, look there's a couple of days left fans are getting anxious. should we just try and get somebody in? You know? yeah. I, I hope that's not the case I, I hope they are actually out there and trying to get this lad in and, and going full pelt but I ain't confident you know it, 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 after or the beckle of the summer between McTherion and William and Costa, and now Salah in January, you know, fans aren't confident of, of signs coming in, mm. so I'll just wait until I see one leaning against the wall, and I go, yeah, it's done now. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Brennan, is Champions League football dependent upon getting new people in, or would you be a little bit more hopeful than
3: that? I don't, Well, we've done okay without the new people. Obviously, and uh, Obviously, the injuries are kind of happened they it really kinda of put a point on how how thin the squad is. I think if we if we're lucky with injuries then we can't do it without it. But obviously if we did bring in one, maybe even two maybe even two players like then it would make a big difference. I'd say we're nearly nailed on then. Hmm. With the kind of cause I don't think I don't think Spurs are gonna last with that form under Sherwood. And um, United, they've signed Matter but he's like he's brilliant. But I don't think he's what they needed necessarily. So yeah. I'd say if we if we did get two people in, I'd say we'd be nailed on. One person as well would happen. I, I do think I I don't buy into the fact this kind of opinion that we don't have a chance if we don't bring anyone in because I think I think we've shown that we can we can beat anyone.
0: Well, we just we just need to keep the brain farts, basically to a minimum. Yeah. Well, and as the, it stands, without signing a player, assuming Spurs lose tonight to City. With our goal difference we're effectively four points ahead of Spurs, five points ahead of Everton and seven points ahead of United. Mm. Right? Assuming mm. the goal difference counts as an extra point. Yeah. So you can't say that we're you know we're gonna rise or fall dependent on the fact of whether we sign someone. There's gonna be a lot of factors that come into that. Sign ins obviously help because the squad is thin, Molly's absolutely right. You know, if you've only got fifteen players then that's gonna limit the amount of options you've got. But you know, I don't think we should be, should be lacking confidence at all based on our transfer window. It's disappointing not to sign players. Everyone loves to sign players. You know, the solution to everything in football is new players, new managers, new tactics, new defensive coaches, whatever it is. But I think Rodgers and the team has shown, you know, if you look at their form over 14 months, they can perform at a top four level with this squad of players. Mm. Um, so
2: yeah, well, so there's there's a serious uh, uh, atmosphere of confidence in, in the in the bunker here this evening. Um, Niall, how important then, if given this feeling of of, uh, of hope that we, we have, how important is it to go on and win on Sunday? Um, we're, as, as the lads are saying, six points off Arsenal now. Um, we've made that up in the past. Can that kind of amount be uh, clawed back for a second time in the season? Do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think so I think um that game yesterday has given me um even more confidence. Um I actually fancy us the finish in the top four now to be honest. Even I don't think it's dependent on signings. I think it's more dependent on getting our injured players back. But um yeah, obviously the West Brom game is important. But I, I can not see us slipping up against West Brom. I think um the Aston Villa game caught us all by surprise. Where we were just after coming out of a great victory against Stoke City and we were probably Probably even us as fans, we were overconfident hmm. going into the Villa game. But I can't see us making the same mistake twice. Rodgers, you know, Rodgers will drill into their head. It's a massive game in many aspects because um, we need to be going into the Arsenal game just six points behind them. And then who knows? Beat Arsenal at Anfield, and suddenly it's down to three, and it's game on again.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Phil, I know you've got a couple of thoughts on this particular thing. Is is that is that gap claw backable? Are we looking at basically better than fourth, even possibly?
5: But- I said to you this morning, um, Trev, that for me, the forget titles. Just forget about winning the league. Forget about everything at the moment, right? Mm. The target for me is Arsenal. That's quite simply. We should be looking at Arsenal and saying we can finish above Arsenal. Mm. If we can finish above Arsenal, then wherever we finish is brilliant because that's going to guarantee top four, okay? Mm. We have to get past Arsenal, City and Chelsea to win the league. Now, that's three teams to you know that, that you're hoping won't won't fucking will have a bad run of form and allow you to catch the points so 6 points off Arsenal it's Arsenal to come to Anfield and Arsenal to go to other places in a, in a very difficult month they have we could be 4 maybe 2 points even a point behind them by, by, the, by, the, by the middle of March All right. so for me anyway I, I see Arsenal is the target that means going into West Brom this week because what what Arsenal are really good at is they'll turn West Brom over they'll turn all the teams that we've been turning over but they won't have the mistakes like in Aston Villa now I know somebody's going to say mm-hmm. but sure they lost to Aston Villa at home bloody 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 mm-hmm. but they they tend to have less mistakes that's why they're six points ahead of us at this moment in mm-hmm. time right um, we do our business we can catch Arsenal if we finish above Arsenal we're top four it doesn't matter where we, like, that's going for me if we finish above Arsenal we finish third at least is at it the,
2: at, 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 at the very worst is it not a touch cavalier to be riding off um united now with Whatever input Matt has with Van Persie back scoring, with Rooney backscoring Trav, Trav, and, and Trav, we, um, match,
5: we match, we match, United results from here to the end of the season. Yeah, I know we finish. They out. can't yeah. catch us. But, but, and for me, for me, I think last night now is is a defining moment in for mentality wise for the team. They went into a game where they dropped points against Aston Villa, mm-hmm. and had we gone into the run of three games of Villa, Stoke, and and Everton at home, and you say you get seven points out of that you'll take because that puts you over the two points average average mm-hmm. per game, right? Mm-hmm. What we've ended up with is that with the pressure. Was on us to win the Everton game to maintain that two points per game ratio. Right. Yeah. Now, now I'm looking at saying, okay, we've done this. If we've done this, then it's, you know, it's it's on. We if we maintain this two points a game, we look at the next three three games. Arsenal is the big game in there. We win the other two around it. You could actually theoretically go in for top four purposes. Now, I'm not saying catch an Arsenal and take a draw at Liverpool at, at home and Anfield and beat the other two, and you, you've got your seven. You've got your two points per game average again. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you go in and you take nine from that. It means that you've closed three points in Arsenal at, at at the very least, which means there's only a three point difference between you and Arsenal, and that's what I'm looking at. I'm saying, I'm saying, let's stop looking behind us. Let's look in front of us and say, who's the, who's the most realistic target of those three mm. that we can we can logically catch in this run in now? It's a run in. We're we're, we're twenty three games now at this stage. Just fifteen games, yeah, less than a quarter of the season to go into you know mm. th- 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 to where we are. Fuck yeah, higher than a motherfucker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's let's try and focus our attention back again to the to the to the game at hand. We've kind of, I think it's fair to say, isn't it? We've looked at the lineups in terms of the discussion we've had so far, well, unless people. The, want other, to,
5: the only thing I'll say is that West Brom, similar to Everton, have, have been struggling to score goals, right? Yeah. they 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 may make a couple of signings before the window. The, the whole run of this is what happens on Friday uh, before the transfer window closes. Air matches isn't until Sunday. If they get them registered in the time. If, if West Brom do dealings, Ernie, they may have something up front which gives a buzz to, to, to the trial to, to their fans, and then that gives us something to deal with in, in front of us. How Pepe Yal sets up his actual team, I'm not quite sure, right? But, Pepe Mel Gibson, you <laughs> mean? Sorry, go on. <laughs> but uh, how how he sets up will probably depend on who they've signed or, or what their actual players are. And um, they have threats. They their their main threats will come off set pieces, mm-hmm. um, which we know we've struggled to deal with. Um, am I worried? Not really, mm. but you know, let's not stumble in this game. Not let's let's not lose the momentum we have. And the one thing I'd say is for going back to the bit that we talked about transfers. If we get a if we get a player in, right, the buzz that will be there, having beaten Everton and gone out and done some business in the transfer market, will be electric in terms momentum. of the momentum. Momentum, yeah. yes. That, now, hang on, um, let me cut
2: across you because you're the only man in the room who was actually here when we did this. Uh, the last time for the previous West Brom game I don't know if you remember that but there was an awful lot of nervous individuals losing their shit in the room about the West Brom midfield and how they might potentially do us see, I think
5: think the the West Brom midfield the way it sets up and the way it comes to players your man Pepe Mel is is a tactician in terms of how I'd say he that he will want to have a deep midfield against us and, and try to stop us scoring. And they'd be happy to take a point as opposed to coming out against us. Yeah, um, Thomas, would you pretty much concur? Uh, you, you, earlier on, you were quite definitive in how we're going to
2: uh, we're going to come out of this. So is there anything particularly you'd be worried about in relation to Westbrook?
0: I mean, I, I, I didn't get to talk about the defence, but I share Phil's cautiousness about the defence. Mm. I, I think if you were to write down our uh, preferred you know, back four how many versions of it would you have to get to to get to the one that we're currently playing you know we'd probably get through 15 or 16 versions of it Mm -hmm. right so it is in no way our our back four and it's always got a a fuck up in it Mm -hmm. but you know what games are won by match winners and we've got more match winners than practically anyone in the league so either the system's going to win it as in you know we're tactically going to be good enough and we'll score and we'll win Mm -hmm. or we've got Suarez and Sturridge and Sterling and Coutinho who are match winners you know I think we'll kill
2: him. OK, Okay. so there's a, a healthy disregard for whatever West Brom have to bring to the table here in this discussion. Um, let me go to the line and start the predictions. Um, Niall, can I go to you first? How do you see this one ending? Uh,
1: I'm going to go for 3-0 I think I don't think we'll have any problems. I think we're in good form now. West Brom are, can, have already conceded 3 tonight against Villa. So I can see um, Suarez and Sturridge having fun
2: on that. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, Molly.
4: Yeah, I said on the That's three or four nil ease one this
2: weekend. Lovely stuff, Phil Casey. Four nil
4: to West Brom, <laughs> <laughs> and we're back.
3: Uh, Paul Brown. I got three one to Liverpool and Suarez to get Olsen
2: sent off. Excellent. Any theories on how he's going to do that specifically? Olson's a fucking idiot. Yard
3: dog. Basically,
5: yard dog. Yeah, horrible prick. Yard dog.
3: Yeah. So uh, ho- hopefully you
2: will.
5: Oh. Jonas own Olsen, There's a shout. Dave Thomas,
0: prediction. I think we'll score at least five. And I think fuck me. Okay, <laughs> and I tell you, let me add something to that. I think Suarez will score a hat trick. I think his scoring has dropped off a little bit in the last few games. I think he's, he's much, getting yeah. frustrated, and uh, he needs—he's he down needs to one game. Now. He's down to <laughs> one a game. I think it's about time he, he stepped it up a little bit and uh, you know really started putting his finger up. But I—I I, I think it's made for Suarez against yeah. flat-footed centre halves like Olsen and McCauley I think it's just made for him, and I think
5: yeah, we'll kill him. Steve-O's uh, so. Steve just texted me to say three one again.
0: <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. brilliant
2: yeah I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a pretty solid win as well I'd say 2-3 goals ok um, let's move on then to our listeners questions Paul Brennan you're an obvious candidate for an anatomical inquiry given the, the way you manipulate the human body on Twitter so could you tell me uh, the answer to Brendan Hodgers he's at Sean J Pugh. he's asking how long is Flannel's lob on when it's on the soft it's never, soft.
1: It's, <laughs> never
2: <laughs> soft it's never soft did you
0: like that big word did you,
2: you miss that one that was very good very priapic yes very nice uh, Harry uh, Harry Setty on, on Twitter asks how would you get through the day if you woke up today as an Everton fan Jesus yeah that's a very good one um, Dave Thomas if you were an Everton fan today what would your day have consisted of
0: weeping uncontrollably I would imagine yes uh, or ranting about the injustice of whatever happened that you know whatever mm. they've decided was the reason for them losing last night apart from the fact we were better right, exactly that, better the pitch the floodlights like, yeah, lights were probably not right
5: the, the, the surface there was something wrong with the surface yes.
0: incorrect throw in given you know, three
3: minutes in or something like that butterfly effect like. yeah. Yeah. you know
0: it was the Atkinson derby last night I'm sure the referee gave <laughs> yeah. you know, a throw in <laughs> wrong or you know the corner kicks weren't taken from within the within the right distance from cool. the flag yeah, good good chance, you chance. Know, I'm, I'm sure Suarez's corner Suarez was Somebody's lighter. Atelier, I tell you, it's ridiculous.
2: That's that gift, lads. That gift. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that upset. That upset. <laughs> that. Oh yeah. But to be honest
0: with you, waking up today as an Everton fan, I imagine, is the same as most days waking up as an Everton fan. <laughs> <is.
5: laughs> Fucking
0: tragic. <laughs> Next one's from Gray, uh,
2: and he asks: this "Is a hypothetical question for you, Phil? If you could be a woman um, for the day, <laughs> uh, yeah. what would you do with your day, Phil?"
5: <laughs> I dress up as an Everton fan. Yeah. I have my hair done I dress up as an Everton fan and I go into your way
6: end. I know where you're
2: going
5: <laughs> And then I'd buzz off, being a good looking boy, getting my picture sent around the internet all day long.
2: <laughs> <laughs> By Liverpool fan. Oh, Fuck's <laughs> It was a damp night in Anfield. <laughs> Jesus, well, okay. Uh, moving, rained goals. Moving swiftly along. Um, oh, here's here's a Michael Owen shout from uh, from a Craigor painting. He's wondering, is there any chance that Sissoko was fathered by the same man as Jimmy Trail? I don't know. <laughs> I think. That's, that's a
0: little bit harsh. <laughs> um, My favourite bit yesterday was, uh, you know, Suarez is running around nutmegging everyone, and Ali Sissoko gets the ball and goes, "Hey, hey." You know, this seems to be the thing to <laughs> do. And kicks it off for a throw-in. <laughs> uh,
5: Niall. You mean I, Ale Traore, don't you? Ale
2: Traore. <laughs> Niall, I'm going to come to you in this one. This is from Anthony uh, at AC Bleach. He's asking, what was the best celebration after a goal by a non-goal scorer or an assister? Um, he shouts for Arbaloa. Um, I think I remember what he's talking about there but uh, Best celebration by the non-goal scorer Can you think of anything there?
1: Um, it's hard to think of one on the spot But if I was gi- to give it to a certain player I think I'd have to give it to Flanagan Because he's adopted the air blower role now himself yeah, He yeah. always seems to be the first one Jumping on top of the goal scorer Or flying in over mm-hmm. the piles of bodies So it's hard for me to pick out one But I think Flanagan could be a contender
2: Fair, fair enough um, Moly. Who was your favourite yep. Disney princess? That comes from Kaelan Kareem. Who was your favourite Disney princess? I know you've got a shout in this for me, fella.
4: Fiona from Shrek. Oh, over okay. that. Fiona. That wasn't Disney. Oh, Jesus, Casey. I'm Dreamworks, They're taken over by Disney. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, <laughs> oh. Stick that up your bollocks, Casey. Oh, please. It's not
5: its not a Disney princess. Don't be denying them. Serve the Not that it. that's creepy or anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, there's a question here from Derek, uh, and he asks. And it's it's totally ruined now because Phil Casey has basically told us that he is this person. He says, that girl in the everything crowd, yes or no, but now that we know it's Phil. <laughs> <laughs> pretending Can we to fall
5: be a to woman. Fall, we to go on? <laughs> <laughs> it was, if I could be a woman for one day, I'm not her. Yeah, but that, you, you know, you were talking for our film. If, it,
0: if it's Phil, then it'd be a yes, but it'd have to be a rough right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh... Paul, best beard in football.
2: Again, from Caelan. Best beard in football. Best beard on
3: football. Yeah. Gerard's one that he had in the summer. I was devastated he got rid of that. Yeah, it
2: was looking good for yeah, him. Yeah, it was
3: a proper kind of like, because I was scruffy at first, but are you, I think he was really going places with it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I was fairly disappointed he got rid of it. Got rid of it, yeah.
2: Uh, Niall, best beard in football? shabby ginger beard without a doubt it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing isn't it in fairness absolutely <laughs> ok uh, I'm going to stay with you and ask you this one as well as uh, soon as we are talking about beards um, how many times can a man who you're relatively familiar with and I think that's important touch your face whilst talking to you before it gets creepy Just give, me, give me a ballpark figure there lad
1: Um. I'll have to think about that one now <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to be really prepared for this
5: <laughs> do,
2: you, do you know, you know I've I got, I got to take the pressure off you and bring bring it back to Casey because I've seen him do this the last day with, with, with poor Floody and all it talk with Floody was one and he was totally bent out of shape for the rest of the pod so what do you think Phil how many times could I lean in there and touch your face while I was talking to you
5: Ooh.
2: depends on what your next move is
5: <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to throw the go on as many as you want <laughs> I, can't think of a better I got way. my hair done last night and I dressed up as an Everton fan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, can't think of a better way to end it than that. Okay. okay, just some admin then. I want to remind you all about the five times guys competition in association with ourselves for two tickets to see Jamie Carragher and Didi Haman on February twenty seventh in Dublin. You just tweet at or sorry, tweet hashtag carrot daytrip to at the daytrippers one. And at five times co. Um, the HJC Cup in Ireland is on March the 22nd in Astro Park. Details on our timeline. Um, you can get a team in and uh, give yourself a chance of winning in that. It's a great cause. There will be a night on afterwards. And I think some of us will be there for that as well. Big thanks. As always, to the wonderful Johnny Rep for our class intro music, you can check out their new single Give, which is released on the Feb- 1st of February. Uh, Top Lads, and I know they have big plans for 2014, just like ourselves. You can follow all our news and our views on our smart feed at Liverpool Ways. Uh, follow that account, and you can get some articles, content, and get down to www.beyondthecop.com for some great stuff going on there as well. Um, first, here is me plugging myself here my own writing, you can find on the Liverpool offside. That's at Liverpool com most days of the week. Don't forget to follow, subscribe to our particular brand of unhinged analysis either on Podbean, iTunes, or via any Podcatcher on Android. Also, keep an eye out for the Red Men and the TBT. Uh, fuck Jim White, transfer day special. They're going to go mental. Uh, our own James Owens is on there from 4 to 5. Other previous guests like Mark Simpson also making an appearance. appearance. Uh, should be much better than this guy equivalent uh, with Harry that was car and all that shite. Finally, your day trippers tonight were Dave Thomas, Niall Sheridan, Paul Brennan, Moley, Phil Casey and myself, Trev Downey. Downey? I fucked up my own name. <laughs> <laughs> you going to do it? Fuck off, I'm not fucking singing Nicki Minaj, man. What? I'm not fucking doing that, I think I told you
5: that. Sturridge was meant to fly, hands pointing to the sky. We scored for Shadow Five
0: fingers point up to the sky. <laughs>
1: if you point that, if you put that in, everybody
2: was going to That's exactly what I was saying. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Feeling my way through the darkness
6: Attention Social Security and SSI recipients If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit Go to ssa.gov/eip to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov slash eip. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense.